morning 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 it's uh it is good to be back um as as we travel um we start to enjoy coming back home right and uh, so it is good to be back with you all um and to see you all again um as most of you know we were away we went to south africa uh, both to minister and be ministered to right and um we had such a wonderful time um of impartation of grace um that came through all the different speakers that were there at the sons fellowship and and i was greatly encouraged as well and because because much of what i had prepared already through what the lord was showing me um was what they had shared that side and um, so it it's obviously a huge um encouragement to find that everything that you are about to say to your own household is what they are saying now to you right so um so i know that we are on the right path track and not only did they share those things they also had the proof the testimonies of what they were sharing with us out of the word right so um so i came back greatly excited right uh, now you know my excitement doesn't look exciting <laughs> right but there's always a, a inner joy and um it doesn't really sometimes manifest you know maybe uh, lately it's only manifesting when i'm preaching okay but anyway um my my desire is that you would you would hear what the spirit is saying to you right and not what i am saying to you and so um without wasting any time let's get into this word ex 17 and verses 10 to 11 uh, to 12 so as you know i'm still busy with breaking free from the spirit of poverty and as i also said to you i am not in a hurry to finish a message on a sunday right i am just speaking and as i'm speaking as far as i get that is where i end and the reason for that is because i do not want to rush to finish a sermon but rather to make sure that we are all understanding what the spirit is saying to us okay so um so this is session 14 and i don't know maybe we might go all the way up to session 23 i'm not sure but we will go even if it takes us into next year but this is where we where we want to break through and break free from okay so um acts 17 it says therefore many of them believed right um verses 10 we start from verses 10 it says and the brethren immediately sent Paul Silas by night unto Berea who coming there 
into the synagogue of the Jews. And these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind, and searched the scriptures daily, whether those things were so. Therefore many of them believed, and also honorable women which were Greeks, and of men, not a few. So Paul, Paul was in Thessalonica. Uh, if you remember, I told you that I, I started um, in, my, in my laptop when I started writing this message that I received from the Lord on breaking free from the spirit of poverty. I, my heading was not breaking free from the spirit of poverty. My heading was the grace of our Lord Jesus. And so, it uh, took me, what, 10, 11 sessions to get here to this grace, so that we could talk about it. But what I want you to do is, I want you to be like the Bereans. The Bible says they were more noble than the, the Thessalonians, right? And as I said to you, that Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 1, and he said, I want you to know of the grace that is bestowed or given to the churches of Macedonia. Right? And the churches of Macedonia is Berea, is Thessalonica, and is the Philippians or Philippi. The churches within those cities. And they are in or from Macedonia. So, very simple. It's like saying the churches in Namibia. Uh, so, and then I would travel from Wolfish Bay to Swakop and then to Vintuk. And so it's like Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea, the churches of Namibia, right? So when we talk about Macedonia, we're not talking about a, a specific city. We are talking about a region, or at that stage it was a, a province or colony of Rome. But when Paul fled from Thessalonica, he came to Berea and he found these people there and he began to preach and what they did was they listened to what he said but then they went and searched the scriptures they looked at the scriptures of what Paul gave and preached and they went and searched it for themselves and then they said to themselves this var it's true this is what the word is saying and and when they did that they then believed and when they believed, they converted and many gave their hearts to the Lord. This is exactly what I want you to do with these sessions that we are going to be doing about grace. And the Bible says that they received the word with a ready mind, an openness, a readiness. I'm going to hear what you have to say. So, so I, want you to, I want you to kind of, whatever you know, just put it on the side. And then receive what is being said. And then I'm going to give you a lot of scriptures today. Uh, unfortunately, I have to do that. Right? Because we are on a topic that is, is probably one of the closest things to your heart. Money. Right? Okay. Um, but I want you to search the scriptures.
and I'm going to give you the scriptures. And I want you to look at it, right, so that we can, so that you can understand what am I trying to say to you. So your question is, Lord, what is he trying to say to me? Okay? Amen? Can we do that? Okay, that's good. Right. So, let's go to John chapter 14 and verses 10 to 11. John chapter 14 verses 10 to 11. Um, you will know in one of the sessions that we did on breaking free from the spirit of poverty, we spoke about the doctrine of Christ. And the doctrine of Christ is a father-son relationship. And Jesus says something very interesting. He says, uh, believe thou not that I am in the father. Okay. And that the Father is in me. He's saying, are you struggling to accept the fact that I'm telling you that the Father is in me and that I am in the Father? Now maybe for us today that is very easy to accept, but for a Jew it was very difficult, right? Because to the Jews they were serving God all their lives and here comes a man that says God is his Father. And no man before that has ever said that God is his Father. Because, and for Jesus to say that God is his father, it meant that he was God's son. Right? And it meant that he was not just the son of a man, but he was actually the son of God. Right? And so there was a, you, so it was very difficult for them. So he says, you're struggling to accept that. He says, the words that I speak unto you, I speak not of myself. But the father that dwells in me, he is doing the work. So I said to you, and I'm going to do a, not a recap, but I'm going to say things that you might have heard already. But that is the way that my, my spirit man prepared. Right? That's how it came to me. And so, um, anyway, so here I said to you that the Father works from where? From within us. And so, whatever God wants to do, He has to do it through you. So, if it's blocked by you, it's most likely not happening around, in and around you. Okay? Are you all with me? The Father who dwells in me, He is doing the work but when he is doing the work, it does not mean that I am not working. Because Jesus said, the works that I do. He said, it's the works that I do. is not me that is doing it, but the Father in me is doing the work. So, that's like, are you working or are you not working? What are you doing? Is it you or is it not you? No, it's me and the Father. That's the answer. I and the Father are one, and when He works, I am also working. If He wants to heal someone, I have to speak the words that He gave me to speak. If He wants to speak to His people, He gives me the words, and I speak the words that He has given, so that when my mouth opens, it's not me that is speaking, but it is my Father that is speaking, but the people are hearing me speak. So when we work, there is a co, uh, we work together, right? That's why Paul says we are co-workers with God. 
right? So, so the point that you must get out of that is that even though the Father dwells in you, unless you are surrendered, yielded to His work and to what He wants to do, He cannot do what He wants to do. Okay? Are you all with me? So let's go to Ephesians 3.20, right? So the works of the Father flow through the works of the Son. But if what you are doing is not what God instructed to you to do, then it's you doing it and it's not the Father. Then the Father is not in what you are doing, right? So it's important to, to understand that. So here the scripture says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we can ask or think. So we understand and, and most, if not all of us, know that God is able to do. I mean, you, we will tell um, people that God is able to do, trust Him. You will speak that we, we have heard of God's ability. We know of the miracles that God can do. We have heard of the miracles that God have done. But many times we don't see them in our own lives. Right? And I remember in the beginning days of my journey into sonship, when I heard testimonies from other people how God provided for them, I thought, will something like that ever happen to me? Uh, I thought, Right? Until I started understanding the principles and I worked the principles of sonship so that the Father can work in and through my life. Right? So, we all know God's ability. But then he says, according to the power that works in us. So, there is a power inside of us. Right? There is a power inside of us. There is a... Uh, the Father dwells in us. Uh, we have heard that how the Holy Spirit dwells in us. We've heard so much about the Father is in you, the Son is in you, life is in you, power is in you. How do you know that God is in you? By the Spirit that you have received. When you've received the Holy Spirit, you know it is like the confirmation, the seal. You know that God dwells inside of you, right? So... We know it, but how? But even though God is in us, we don't see that which is in us at work in and around our lives, right? But the scripture here says that this God who is able to do anything works only in your life according to the power that is in you. The power is in you, but according to how that power is working itself out of you. Because the word for work, as I said to you, is energio. It is a word that, you know, like even the word, I told you most, energy. N-G. Energy, right? Okay? Um, it's, energy actually means something that's in you. Energy. And that, it has to be in you for that life and that energy to flow and to work, right? So sometimes you say, I get the energy for you, Ghutani. You know, that means you're saying there's nothing inside of you anymore to make you work, right? And the word for work there um, is in, is something that's in you that is working. So, and according to the measure of what is in you that is at work, is the way that you will see God work in your life. So, if you don't see God working, it's because you are not working. What you already have. 
Do you understand that? Okay? And, and so, when we talk about inward, so you can have, we can have power in us, but we'll never see that power. Even though it's there, but we will never see it because we are not working it. Right? That's an important thing to, to understand. So you may have grace, but never see that grace work in your life because you are not working grace. That's why the Bible says, do not receive the grace of God in vain. In other words, you can receive something and it never works for you. You can receive something that's supposed to change your life, that's supposed to transform your life, that's supposed to impact your life around you, but never experience it because you have not worked it. And if you have not worked that grace, that grace will never work in your life, and so you will have received the grace of God in vain. We can have power, but it can be dormant, right? We can have electricity coming to this building, but unless we switch, put the switch on, we'll never see the light of what is in. So if you are shining, it means that you are working the light. You will not shine if you don't work the light. This is why the Bible says, who of you lights a lamp and then puts him under the bed? You get revelation, light, you get revelation, and what do you do with the revelation? You hide it. You put it away. Why? Because you don't work the revelation. And if you don't work the revelation, the light will never shine. No one will ever see. Right? And so that's what we do. We hear things, but we don't work the word. And because we don't work the word, we never shine. That's, and that's why the Bible says this, this thing. He says, um, let your light so shine that men may see your good work and glorify your Father which is in heaven. So your light can only shine by the work. Are you with me? So, what am I saying to you? So, there are many things that we receive in Christ, but because we don't have the understanding that we must work it, right? Then, then we have it, but it never impacts our life. Okay? So, the reason why I'm saying this to you is because I'm, I'm, I'm moving to a place where I'm telling you that things need to be worked And when I say work, I'm not saying earn uh, or work. I'm not talking about legalism, right? If I, and the best way that the, that the Holy Spirit explained it to me, he said, if you have a talent for a sport and you work the talent, you can't say you are legalistic. You are working what was given freely to you, the talent. Right? Is what gives you the ability, the power to become. Right? Uh, are you all with me? So, they need, you need to get, you need to add to our understanding this idea that there is a measure of work that needs to be done. Okay? 
Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verses 10. I know you've read the scriptures, but maybe the penny will drop. Okay? Remember, it's not so much about the hearing, it's about can you see what is being said. In the book of Revelation chapter 1, John says, I was in the Isle of Patmos and I heard a voice behind me. And what did he do? He turned to see, not to hear. You see, if you hear something, it eventually must make you see what you heard. If you don't see what you are hearing, you are still half blind. Right? We need light, we need a revelation. Okay? So Paul says, by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And so this is not talking about his salvation, because this is many, many years later, after he has been saved, he's now already traveling and doing missionary work or sent to go out and do the work of the Lord. And, and he's already writing letters to churches. He's planted churches. He's been to many cities and countries and so on. And here he's writing them. He says, I am what I am by the grace of God. And he qualifies that. And he says, and the grace... And his grace towards me was not in vain. See, he's saying, I received something from God. But it was not in vain. We may have received, but we never. But if we don't use what we have, it can be in vain. But I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the... Grace of God which was with me. He's, it sounds like he's talking like Jesus. I worked yet I didn't work. It's my father that's working. The works that I do is not me but it's the father that's working. I labored more abundantly yet not I. It's the grace. Now are you working or are you sitting or what are you doing? No, I'm working. But the grace is working in my work. I'm preaching and while I'm preaching the grace is at work. I'm traveling and, and what I need as I trust God, the grace is working, but I'm also working the faith. Uh, as I go to the nations and I pray for people, I'm working, I'm praying, I'm laying hands. But the Father, the grace of God is working through my work. It's me and the grace of God that is at work. So the grace that I have received is not in vain. But, you understand? But I labored more abundantly. That word labor, work. Tell the person next to you, labor, my friend. Tell the person next to you, lost his slavery. <laughs> work, my friend, work. Right? <laughs> okay. I only make jokes when I stand there. I don't know why I'm standing. <laughs> Benito's over there. He knows. Zainet altijd van my gesê, jou droobrood. Right? So, if you, you've got to understand that there's got to be, now, we, we, the grace that we are talking about here is not the grace that has saved you. I must say that again. So I'm going to show you now, there are different kinds of graces so that we don't confuse, right, um, the workings of the different graces where we are actually supposed to labor and then we sit back and relax. Because we are taking one context of the Bible and using it for every grace there is. 
So when you are saved, saved, salvation, eternal life, gave your heart to Christ, you are saved by grace and through faith. That not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So you did nothing to be saved. All you did was believe the message that Jesus died for you. And for that salvation, all you have to do is keep the faith. That's all. Do nothing else. You are saved. But if you are in Christ and you want to 20 years down the road say, I am what I am by grace, then I got to say to you, you need to labor. Because you will never be who you are meant to be without laboring the grace. And so this grace cannot be sit back and relaxed. There is effort, there is labor. But it's got to be from the right, what's the word, heart, understanding, um, correct belief that... When I think about my talent, I know I'm not earning it. I know that I'm working what was given to me. It's like a man that received talents and he used the talent to trade with in the Bible. When he took two or three talents, the other one had so much. And he's talking about money and he said they took the money and they traded with it and they used it to increase. You have to labor with grace. This is the key point that I'm telling you. And you know, you know we have a miracle mindset. We want miracles. Why? Because we like shortcuts. That's the only reason we want miracles. We want shortcut. Right? Now, I'm not against miracles, right? But... Many times the reason why we want miracles is because we never want to work the principle. We never want to work what is needed, right? The, the effort that's involved, right? And so, um, grace has to be labored, 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 right? You need to understand that. Um, if you... That needs to be a critical point. If you are taking notes and if you are keeping pointers in your mind, remember this. Grace has to be labored. Grace has to be labored. Without that, I will not be come. So let's read Ephesians chapter 3 and verses 1 to 4. Ephesians 3. So in this, where we said, Paul says, I am... I am by the, what I am by the grace of God. He was talking about a different kind of grace. He was not talking about the grace that saved him and brought him to Christ. Right? Uh, Ephesians chapter 3 verses uh, 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you, Gentiles. Verses 2. If indeed you have heard of the dispensation... Okay, of the grace of God, which was given to me for you. So here Paul says, he received a grace. He was given a grace to him that was for others. In other words, 
the grace that he received was a grace that others did not have. Right? You need to... So while we all have grace for our sonship and for our walk in Christ, there are graces in Christ that you don't have. Right? Paul says, I have received grace. Right? For you. And, and so, but when we take grace and on, we say in Afrikaans, I'm on reserve the camp. We say skier. Skier, I'm on reserve the camp. We take grace, camp. Okay. Right. I was trying to speak in tongues, but it wasn't working. Right. So, the, we take grace and we put everybody under the same. It's like, if we, are, we have received grace and then we say we all have, there is a grace, unfortunately, you don't have. Right? Okay? Verses 3. How that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. Right? Okay, in verses 4. By which when you read you may understand my knowledge in, in the mystery of Christ. So there is a There is a mystery to Christ that you could never understand without the people who was given the grace to unlock that mystery and share it with you. Okay? We, if we read on here in verses, let's read verses 8, or sorry, from verses 7. Of which I became a minister according to the gift of the grace of God. Okay, so he was given grace which was as a gift. So he didn't work for it. In that sense, he didn't work. Just like you never worked for your talent. You were just born with it. You didn't work for it. But that which you were given as a talent, you must work. Right? Given to me by the effect of working of his power. You see, there's got to be a working, right? The gift of the grace of God given to me. Verses 8. To me who am less than the least of all the saints, this grace was given. So he was given a grace that I should do what? Preach. So when he, he was given a grace to preach... So, when he's preaching, he's working grace. Are you all with me? He was given grace to preach. So, when he preaches, his grace is working. When he preaches, his grace is being labored. When he spends time in the doctrine, he is laboring the grace of God that is given to him to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Grace was given to him so that he could unlock the mystery of Christ, understand the mystery of Christ, so that he could preach that mystery to all who would hear. Are you all with me? And in that he was laboring his grace. Right? So that I should preach the unsearchable riches of Christ. Verses 9. 
and to make all see. I'm given grace to make others see. So if I don't use my grace to preach the unsearchable riches of Christ, those who do not have the grace, they will not see. Right? See what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages was hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ. So, so why would God give uh, someone a grace and then say, my grace is to make all see if all could see by themselves? And if you, are, if you have the ability to see, it, it might mean that you have one of those graces. The, the fivefold is grace, right? Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. It is a grace given unto men that they must use to build up the body. Okay? So, my point out of this is not to say that, it's not to tell you that you don't have that grace. That's not my point. My point is this. I'm showing you how Paul had to labor grace. That's the point that I'm making here. Grace has to be labored. He said, I was given grace to preach. And what did I do? I preached. And if, I, if I'm called, if I'm given grace to preach, I spend time in the Word. That's why the Bible says, uh, let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor. Especially those who labor in doctrine and the Word of God. In other words, to spend time in the Word is a labor. I sometimes say to my wife, because she'll say, you're just in the room the whole time. Then I'm saying, I'm working. <laughs> I can't help, I love what I do. I'm working. I just love it. So I can spend long hours in there. I love it, I'm, but I'm working. And uh, so... So when I spend time with people, drink coffees or wherever go house, I'm working. Uh, so I can't help it. I, I like what I do. But it's my work. So one of the, one of the pastors that we, were, um, that we were with that side, he was telling us that his children said, No, I want to be a pastor one day. I said, Who come? No, I said, Because you live a lekker. You live on vacation. You net with people and sikke goedies. But it's a labor, right? It's a labor, right? That we are laboring the grace of God. Okay. So, let's, let's, let's move on here. Let's go to um, Ephesians. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians. Let's move there. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verses 1 to 2. So, uh, can you see there is a different kind of grace? Are you able to see that? So now when we go into this chapter, we are now also talking about a different kind of grace. We are not talking about the grace of salvation. We are not talking about the grace of an apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. We are talking about a different kind of grace. And that is what we must understand. Right? And so, here it says, Moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And uh, I, love, I love this when I do the research and I, 
And I, and I study here. Paul was amazed. When Paul wrote this, this letter, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, right? When he wrote that, he was in Macedonia himself. He wrote from Macedonia to the Corinthian church. And he wrote it, he wrote it from Macedonia upon his second visit to Macedonia. So the first time he was there, if you read in Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 17, when he travels, he travels into Macedonia and he comes to Philippi, which they said was the chief city. And when he came there, he started preaching and people got converted and the Jews were very jealous and they stirred up persecution and adversity and they, and they caused people, the Bible, I think the Bible says they, they took the rough men. And they stirred them up. The Rovamana met Prat. And he spoke to them. And they stirred them up. And they went and they, and they began to persecute the believers and so on. And then the Bible says that Paul had to leave Philippi. And he left Philippi and he came to Thessalonica, another city. And then he comes there and he begins to preach. And he preaches and so on. And as he's preaching, many people get converted. And the Jews that were in, in Philippi, when they heard that Paul was in Thessalonica and what he was doing there, they traveled to Thessalonica and they came there and they stirred up the people again. And the Bible says they went to the house of Jason, right? Okay. Uh, they went to the house of Jason and they were looking for Paul. And the Bible says they assaulted Jason there, looking for Paul. That means they came in, they buffeted him. Uh, gave him a few smacks, a few bruises. They say, where is this Paul? We're looking for him, right? And they're looking for them and then, and then eventually they, they couldn't find him. And so Paul then, they took him out into the city and everything and they, they were talking and making a great uproar. The Bible says, and Paul left Thessalonica and went to Berea. And there he was Berea and many people converted. And then the people stirred up again and eventually he left Macedonia. So when he left, listen very carefully to this, when he left the churches of Macedonia, he left them with a great trial of affliction. He left them with persecution. He left them where people were being assaulted for the gospel. He left them where they were being, there was adversity and there were struggles and there was difficulties. Right? And so he leaves them. But then on his second visit back to Macedonia, he gets the shock of his life. He gets the shock and he says, wow, what, am, what is this? Uh, let's go, go to verses 2. Of this is what he says. He says like, that in a great trial of affliction, there is an abundance of joy. Wow. He was, the man was bekommert. He was, he was a, he was burdened by the fact that he left this church with such resistance. And he was wondering are they surviving? Are they making it? So he visits them again. And when he comes there, he finds these people that had such difficulty. He finds them with so much joy. Not depressed. 
Not stressed. Right? Not oppressed. Not feeling heavy. Not sad. Such difficulty. And die manne is gelukkig. Abundance of joy. And then he says, And in their deep poverty, it abounded in the riches of their liberality. They had poverty. They were struggling. And yet, they were giving, giving. And he's like, wow. And he says, and then he says, now he says to the church of Corinth, he says, who were well, who were more well off than the Macedonian church. And he says, I want you to know of the grace that I'm seeing here in Macedonia. Right? And he says, I want to explain to you. I want you to know. I w- and, and the reason, the reason he wanted them to know because he was seeing something that was working in here, in their life, that was busy breaking them out, out, out of the places that they found themselves. And so, here is where you can see that grace is seen. Tell the person next to you, grace can be seen when it is worked. Grace that is not worked cannot be seen even though you have it. You may have grace, but unless you, if you never work the grace, no one will ever see your grace. We, which means... That's why, that's why in the beginning days, God uses prophets and these people to tell you of your grace. Right? So that you may work the grace. Right? But here is a grace that nobody has to prophesy to you. You simply have to work this grace. Okay? Right? So, for example, um, you know, I said it last time, you know, like Smitty now when he prays for people and when he moves you can sense that presence, that nearness of God and, and they, you can see the spirit of God work that is the grace that we are seeing we are seeing because he worked that grace there were many days and, and we go minister to someone and I ask, Smitty did you get something? this is now, we are walking home now what's it now? then I'm like did you get something? Then he's like, yeah, I felt this. Now, why didn't you say? <laughs> nah, I, do, I was scared. Maybe it was wrong. Maybe I don't want to play with people's lives. And just now, just now, what if I miss it? And I say, ah, as a belief. Own it up. Own it up, as a belief. Speak. Right? How will you ever know? How will you ever know? Work the grace. The grace was working on the inside. The grace to... That word of knowledge, that word of prophecy was working on the inside, but he never worked it. And so because he never worked it, no one could see. But he had to work it, and as he worked and he worked, the grace increased. The grace showed. The grace manifested. The grace revealed itself. Grace has to be worked. Come on, you've got to get that. The point that I'm trying to get to you all is grace has to be worked. Worked. Otherwise you will receive it in vain. 
Okay? So, uh, Paul really wanted them to understand the grace. What grace was he talking about? And I've read 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and chapter 9. I've read it in the last couple of weeks. don't know how many times. Here, is it right what I see? Is it right what I'm seeing? I've come to the conclusion, it's right what I'm seeing. You can check it for yourself. He is talking about the grace to give. And the grace to give, when it is given by grace, becomes the grace, is the giving of grace. Right? Okay? And we will see that in the chapter and just for everybody's sake, let's read First Corinthians chapter 16 and verses 1, just so that we are all on the same page again. I know I've said these things, but I'm hoping that you would understand it. Now, obviously, when I talk about the grace of giving, I might not be, I might not be, um, what's the word? Um, I've used examples to say you can give a prophecy. You can give a word of knowledge. You can give a prayer. You can give a hug. You can give in that way. And if you give it with the right heart and spirit, what you are giving is grace. Right? But, and I use that to show you that giving is not limited to money. But in the context of what we are talking here, we are talking about that. Okay? Alright? So, Verses 1, it says, Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given orders to the churches of Galatia, so you must do also. Right? Verses 2, On the first day of the week, let each one of you lay something aside, storing up as he, as he may prosper, that there be no collections when I come. So he's talking about them prospering and Paul is telling them, listen, put the collection aside, the offering, the giving, the, the financial side. Put it, put it aside already, right? And he says, so that when I come, whomever you approve by your letters, I will send to bear your gift to Jerusalem. And so they had to take up a collection and offering, right? So if... so. Let's just take money away because money is always a issue. And that's the reason why I have to give so many scriptures. Because I need you to see it. But let's put money out of the equation. Let's say, can all of you, uh, we want to take up an offering. We want to collect all the cell phones here. Uh, can we do that? I got the basket ready. One by one. I'm going to collect cell phones. Heavy cell phones. <laughs> you know, this bus is going to be very heavy. Take a collection. And then he says, you take the collection. And then he says, when I come, I will choose somebody among you who we can trust, right? And then that person will send him to Jerusalem with your cell phones. Okay. But Paul doesn't say, you see, and the Sophie's in the ice. <laughs> right? And you'll take, he says, but he doesn't say, 
He doesn't say we'll take your collection. He says we'll take your gift. You know what gift is? Free. Undeserved. You don't have to give me my cell phone back. I'm not expecting another cell phone. I'm just giving it freely. What is that? That's giving grace. Because the Greek word for gift is the Greek word charis. I've said this, but I'm saying it again. So, the cell phones that I will carry will not be cell phones. Even though it is cell phones, it is grace. Because Paul uses the word charis. When you say in Ephesians chapter 2, I am saved by grace. That Greek word grace there is charis. He could have said I am saved by a gift. He could have wrote that word in English. He could have said gift. Very same word. So what is it that we are taking here? It is grace. So what did I give? I gave Grace. How, when is it grace? When that which I give is free, undeserved, from my heart, not looking for it in return. I am being more blessing to somebody else than to myself because it's more blessed to give than to receive. And so when I give in that way, God sees that I didn't give cell phones. I gave grace. Right? I gave grace. So when we come to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and Paul says, I want you to know of the grace. He say, these guys are giving. And it's a, it's a shocker. Because I understand their situation. And yet they are giving. And what they are giving is a grace that's at work. Right? All giving in the New Testament is a giving that is free. Nobody forces you. Nobody pressures you. Right? But when you understand that you've got to work the principle, you've got to work the word that you receive. How do you work grace? You work grace by working the word of grace. The Bible talks about the word of grace. So when you work the word, the teaching, the instruction... When you work the principle, you are working the grace also. You see, that's a different grace that we are talking about. Are you all with me? Different kinds of graces. So, when we go back now to 2 Corinthians chapter 8, we are talking about the grace of giving. Okay? Which eventually becomes the giving of grace. Because you start with grace... In your giving, but what you gave is grace. Are you all with me? Okay? Tell the person we are giving grace. We are giving grace. Tell the person, Senior Lather. <laughs> okay. Let's, let's read on verses. So, moreover, brethren, we make known to you the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. Verses 2. I want you to understand the grace. In the great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded in the riches of their liberality. Right? Their freedom. They gave 
freely. So what, what the spirit of poverty does to you is that, remember this, the spirit of poverty works into your heart and mind the constant focus of lack. The idea of, if I give, where will I then, how will then I have tomorrow? So, this people were in deep poverty. They should have been saying, But, they gave. And when they gave, right, they were giving grace. They refused to allow the environment or where they find themselves, right, to determine, to determine whether they will give or not give. They live by the word of God, right? And, and so, let's read verses 3. So many times in your place, you know, one of the things that we, that we heard now in the Sons Fellowship and the, with the testimonies are there. You know, my father in the faith, he will say, he will say, I would rather suffer than compromise on my principles. But if you hear the testimonies of the things that the Lord is doing in his life, then, then it becomes very clear that it works. Right? Um, and one of the things I took home, coming home, I understood that if we are going to ad- ad- aggressively advance, we have to be aggressive with the principle. And the spirit of poverty or lack is what makes you say, no, don't, don't give. Don't do it. What's going to happen to you? That's why we started from that side. Right? Now we are here. Okay? So, I, and, 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 I, and I, have the, I have the testimony, this, in lockdown, 2021, in the lockdown, right? When the lockdown started with COVID, or 2020, then, and that, was it in March? It was in March, yeah. That's March. 28 March. Oh, you're giving me the exact dates. Okay. In March, right? What was the talk from businesses? What was the talk in the economy? Talk to me. How are we going to survive? Where are we going to get money? Our businesses are going to close. And what about churches? We are not meeting. We can't take up the offerings. In South Africa, some of the churches, even in COVID, they had services because they needed the offerings. And then the people died from COVID. That was the talk. You know what that is? That's the voice of poverty. And what was the first thing the Lord spoke to me about? The first thing the Lord said to me, He started talking to me about first fruits. I said, first fruits, it must be done. It must be done. 
The first thing the Lord said, started swinging me our first fruits, and he says, and he says to me, you can't first fruit from your past. You must first fruit from your future. What do you see for the future? I said, Jere, ek het omtrend soveel nodig per maand om my aan die gang. I said, then I gave the first fruit on that. In COVID. And then the Lord said to me, and I gave my personal first fruit. And then the Lord said, you must also administrate the first fruit on behalf of the people. Because they are giving into the church's account. And you have to first fruit from that amount as well. Ek sê, Jere, as ek die first fruit is... Come on. You understand? Now I'm giving you the testimony. Because maybe you think, maybe you think you're just talking and teaching. I got the reality of the word. Right? And, and I gave the first fruit from the church on behalf of us. I gave my personal first fruit. Lockdown just started. Then I spoke to my wife about it. And then my wife gave a first fruit from the school. And from a personal. Now if you know, during COVID, we cut nobody's salary at the school. The teachers are here, they can tell you. We cut nobody's salary. We got no cut on rent. We had the building in, in, um, in Street House paying that huge amount of 25000 a month. Everybody's asking for rent cut. You know, we're not working and, uh, you know, how are we going to pay? And, and I said and I thought to myself, I am not going to ask for a cheaper rent. I'm going to pay 25. My father's able to do it. That's the thought that came into my heart. I said, I'm going to pay it. We paid it for the whole year. We weren't, even, we weren't in that building for the whole year. Is it right? We, and we paid that rent. You know what happened to our income? It increased by a third. The next thing the Lord told me after first fruit, he, he, he started talking to me about this chapter. And he said, I want you to start giving grace. And he said, it's not a time for you to live luxuriously. It's a time for you to help people. So my mind was just like, who can I help? So I said to you, I bought fridges for people. I send money if I just hear you have a problem. So I didn't get like at once 60 or 70,000 in my bank account and to be able to say, then I'll give here and here and then it's finished. No. The way it happened was I got money now. If I got, if I got a 5,000 now, then I said, okay, I'm going to look to give. And so when it, when it came and then I heard this one had a problem, then I took that money and I gave there. When this one, I took the money and I gave there. And lo and behold, for the next, and then I kept record. And I said to myself, I don't want to increase financially and then spend more money. And then as I increase financially, I increase my spending upon myself. I also want to increase in my giving. So then what I did was, I kept record on my phone. I still have it on my phone. How much I gave to who I gave. It's there on my phone. I keep record every month. I, I got this. I gave to this person so much and so much. And for the next five months, every month, my income increased. So I remember, I, I think the first, the first month I gave something like 7,000 away. 
The next month I gave 12,000 away. The next month I gave 15,000 away. The next month I gave about 17 or 19,000 away helping people. It's COVID. The pastor. The pastor is giving. Right? We gave. And, and literally we are increasing in the time of COVID. Businesses are shutting down. In COVID, in 20, what's it, 2021, we moved into this building. This thing works. But if we let the voice of poverty dictate our behavior... Citate. What's the time? How long have we been? An hour. My world. But it doesn't matter. I was not trying to finish my message. The, the, the spirit of poverty, as I said to you, works its ways into your heart, heart, your mind, your attitude. No ways. What about tomorrow? What about Jesus' words where he says, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will take care of it? Self. That word was a reality. Right? Do you understand? I'm not talking about recklessness. I'm not talking about you earn now your salary and you give your whole salary away. Jesus, can for my sorg. No. But you need to have in your readiness to give. And in a time of difficulty, we increased in our giving, but we also increased physically. Right? But in COVID, my focus was not the increase that was coming our way. I was just focusing on what the Lord said. Give grace. So I gave financially, but I also gave a prayer. And sometimes I would get somebody on the phone, then I would say, I just, I just want to pray with you. I was like looking forward to pray with the person. Can I just pray with you? Now I start praying, the person is weeping on the other side. Why? Because what I am giving is grace. Whatever you have, whatever God has given you, if you don't give, if you don't have the principle of giving, if you feel you have the gift of healing, but you never give a prayer for healing, you will never see that gift work. It will never manifest in your life because you're keeping it to yourself. Paul says, grace was given to me for you. Right? And if we say we understand our salvation, if someone says, I understand grace, then I want to see it in your giving. Because until you are not a giver, right? Not just financially. Give. Aha, give an encouragement. I was praying for you. Right? But most of the times you are waiting for somebody to pray for you. We want to take more than we give. Right? Are you all with me? So, let me just leave you with these scriptures so that you can go search it for yourself. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you that this thing works.
Right? Read verses 6. Verses 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Verses 6 it says, So we urge Titus that as he had begun, so he would also complete, listen to the words, this grace. The grace that I'm talking about, I, I'm sending Titus to you so that he can complete. In other words, I want him to go to you, teach you and talk to you about the grace that's working in the churches of Macedonia. So that that grace can come to its completion in you. And I want this grace in you as well. You see that? I want this thing also to work in you. Okay? Uh, Next one. Verses 7. But as you abound in everything. So you guys are increasing. You guys got faith in speech, in knowledge. Your knowledge is increasing on the scriptures. You're on all diligence. And in your love for us, see that you abound in this grace. This grace also. Make this grace work. Increase in it. Right? So, and that's why I'm sending Titus to you. He's saying, I'm sending someone to you who can help you, teach you, instruct you in this grace. Right? Uh, Verses 18. Verses 18, it says, And we have sent with him the brother whose praise is in the gospel throughout all the churches. Next one. So he's sending, and not only that, but who was also chosen by the churches to travel with us with this gift, grace. Greek word, grace. To travel with this, grace. Travel. You see, if you see grace is only forgiveness and mercy, you won't recognize this grace. Right? To travel with this grace. Remember the cell phones? Travel with the grace. Right? Which is administered by us. So Paul is saying there is an administration of grace. I'm a steward of grace. Remember 1 Peter chapter 4 verses 10? Right? Is it 4 or 5? Or chapter 5 is 10. It says, as good stewards of the manifold or the various kinds of graces. This grace. It says, to the glory of the Lord himself and to show you, show your ready mind. Verses 20. Avoiding this, that any should blame us in this lavish gift which is administered by us. So Paul is not talking about his grace to preach. He's saying, we are traveling with a grace. That's the collection. And he says, we've sent someone with this gift. And he says, we are sending other people with him because we don't want people to blame us. Or think, No, we've put the things in place, right? Uh, uh, this lavish gift, which I minister by us, verses 21. 
providing honorable things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. Our walk is not only in the sight. So Paul puts things in place so that we don't only say we walk before the Lord, we must also walk before you. You must also be able to see our integrity, our honesty. You must also be able to see that, hey, we are not abusing this thing, right? Give me 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6. Now, I'm giving you all these scriptures. Please go home and read it for yourself. Read the chapter, chapter 8 and chapter 9. Next week, what I will do is, I will go, we're going to go through this thing verse by verse. Okay? But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. The context, right, determines the explanation of the scripture. The context is the grace of giving. Right? And so, if you sow, if you give grace, what are you sowing? Grace. What is your harvest? Next verse. So let each one give as he purposes in his own heart. He's explaining grace. Not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. Grace giver. Next verse. And God So what are we after? Grace, not money. If you, hear the, if you were there and you heard the testimonies of things that have happened, you know that's grace. Buying properties for a third of the price, grace. Um, God is able to make all grace abound towards you. What do you want? Grace. So, the reason I said, the Father who dwells in you, doeth the work. If you want to see the grace at work, you have to work the grace. So that you unlock grace to work in your Life. And so we can go. We will we'll pick this up. But as you see, so I have come to realize that I want grace more than I want money. I want to work with grace more than I want to work with money. And grace is supernatural. There is another economy in God. And if times are going to be difficult, we need to function in the grace of God. Are you all with me? It works. I've tested it. Right? It works. Right? We've seen it. Everything there was about, I'm going to show you how the Macedonian church functioned 
in the grace of our Lord Jesus. All the keys are in the chapters. All the keys are in the chapters. And so, um, I'm ending off now. So what we are going to do here in our house, we're going to start building the systems. The, we're going to start building the, the habits and so on. So from now on, I want you in your house churches. Okay? It's not a compulsory thing. But if you understand what we are doing by the scriptures, right? I want you, I want you to bring a meal, whatever you have, bring it to the house church. Because we are going to teach ourselves to give. And we are not starting with money, okay? We are not going to start with money. Just start with your meal. And the, if you read the chapter, of cha- chapter 8, it says... He that had much had nothing left over. And he that had little had no lack. So in our meals we are going to practice. Maybe you don't have much. But in family, you are not going to feel bad that you don't have much. You are going to bring your little to the table. And someone else who has more will bring that in which he brings. And in that we will partake of the grace of the Lord on the table. We are going to build this culture. We are going to build it. Right? That's what we're going to do. We are going to practice hospitality. Because that's how you... That's one of the manifestations of the, of the giving of generosity. The branches is hospitality. Right? Um, so, what, we're going to, what you're going to do is we're going to teach ourselves that when someone comes and visits, even if I don't have much... My best is what I'm going to give to him. And if my best is a half a loaf of bread, I'm going to put it on the table and I'm going to practice hospitality, the spirit of giving. Because we are going to refuse that our environment dictates our behavior. Watch, brothers and sisters. When we started with this grace message, the first day I started, I woke up that morning loaded with Grace, I came here and I just shared and it was, it was, I know that we are on the right track. I know, I know. This is the exit. This is the exit. We started here with poverty, how you think, the pain and the struggle and your attitude and you're always worried about this and that and so on. And there was a way, a habit that you behaved. We are now on this side, grace. A different way. A different way. Remember that we are going to practice, practice, because we have to work the grace. I will show you how the Bible, when we practice hospitality and generosity, that that accelerates promises. It's in the Bible. That's why the Bible says don't, 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 be, don't neglect to entertain strangers. Because you might be entertaining an angel. And when the angel speaks, he accelerates your prayer. It happened to Abraham. Do we know what we're going to do? We are starting. So house church and uh, all house churches, no other message on the table. This message. We are going to build this thing into us. We are, to, we are not forcing it into you. 
We are not forcing it into you. We are building it. And you are free to choose if you participate. Right? Okay? Our churches bring, bring, break out of your, break out of the low esteem that, that your lack has built into you. Because that's what lack does. You feel inferior. But in the culture, we can break that. Bring whatever you have. And if you are here and you want to be part of a house church, uh, you are more than welcome and you want to just participate. Can all the facilitators please just stand up? House church leaders, thank you. You can approach them. And you can just say you want to experience, if you are, just want to visit the house church and see what's happening. So we're going to practice giving, giving. If you have, no, you can bring more, bring more. Uh, if you have just a little bit, bring it. And let's share with one another. Amen? Let's stand, let's stand. Okay, so Father, we thank you for your word. And I know, Father, that your word is true, for I have tested it. I have seen it work in a difficult time. So, Father, I pray that you will give us eyes to see. Not just hear, but I pray that when we hear, we will not be like what the word says, hearing, but yet you do not hear. And seeing, yet you do not see. Lest you be converted and you find healing. I pray that the spirit of slumber will not work in this house. But the spirit of revelation and of wisdom will be at work in this house. That when we hear, we will surely see what we are hearing. And so I pray in the practice of what we have heard. That we will also see with our natural eyes now the things that we have practiced. So Lord, we bless this house. I thank you, Father, for the exit, Lord. And I pray for the aggressiveness. And I pray for an ag a violence in the spirit. Lord, the kingdom of God suffers violence, but the violent, the aggressive, the determination. I pray for a determination. In this house. A determination to do your word Lord. Lord and I pray that, that truly the spirit, the thinking and the attitude of poverty will be broken within us. And that we will develop within us this liberality. Because we know that our father is able to take care of us. In Jesus name. And everybody say. Amen and amen.